I've met Dane many, many years ago when I first heard him speak on Mixergy. That was back in 2012, I believe, right? Roughly? Maybe even earlier, yeah. Even earlier, yeah. <clears throat> and back then, when you share on Andrew Warner's podcast, Mixergy, I knew right away this guy is going places. Because back then, even, even without prompt, you were able to just go right into copywriting and you were <laughs> a student of copywriting right then. That was amazing. Yeah. It was really beautiful to watch you went through your own journey from, from running your own business to be a public teacher on the internet to now uh, your most recent Start From Zero book. And what a beautiful uh, book it was. So welcome to the show, Dane. So thank you so much for being here. What a context you've set. I'm honored, man. Very. So why don't we actually dive right into it, given we have limited time together. Let's talk about the book right away, given that's, that's what you're up to. Uh, I, I thought, so when people ask me, hey, how do you become, go from employee to entrepreneur? I always brought back one of my teacher back in college. He, he playfully said, go ask for what your customers want and then go get it and then sell it to them. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But the way you articulate it, it's even simpler than that. You said customer, mechanism, results. And I've been using that as a framework to, to share with others. Hey, anyone who is in the time of pivot, that is the atomic unit, customer, mechanism, results. And then that's the atomic unit of what a business does for your customers. So, so giving this time, giving that beautiful model, can you say a little bit more about how others, my listeners, can use this model to think about ways to pivot? Minimizing child sounds in the back. So, yeah, customer mechanism result. I, there, there's a, in the center of my chest, like right here, if you're watching video, there is a immensity of pleasure and a large sense of joy. It's, 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 it's overwhelming how good business can be. Like when I hear the word business, I think first my conditioned mind thinks Lamborghinis, women in bikinis, having six pack abs, showing people I'm better than them in subtle ways not directly, but it's very clear that I'm better than you. <laughs> That's what my conditioned mind thinks business is. My unconditioned mind thinks that business is untapped potential. And so what I have done for most of my, well, most of the last seven years is I've sat people in front of me and taught them business. But what's happened is they genuine, they generally give me obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Like he says, nothing but obstacles. And like, I just developed a mind to be endlessly resourceful, but it came to, to help them. But it came from this sense here, deep right here in the center of my chest behind my solar plexus, that business is untapped potential. So what that means is like, you know, the employee mind says unconsciously, like an employee's not actually thinking this consciously. Maybe they are, but they're thinking... I'm not worthy of my own business. 
but they won't even know if we're speaking to the employed entrepreneur, the first thing I'd speak to is that I don't even think they know they're aware that they're like, yeah, I'm not really worthy of my own business. It might come up with like, Oh, you know, I haven't found the idea that I want, or I need an idea first, or I need money to get there. Or, you know what? I need a lot of time to get there because it's so easy to deceive ourselves. There's a book called the logic of deceit and self-deception. And I think I read in that book, like genetically, we're actually a little bit wired to lie to ourselves. <laughs> Medically, we're, we're programmed to lie to ourselves. Is that what yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I think, I think I read that. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like it's, you know, like let's say you're in a relationship you don't want to be in, but you know, like you don't want to be lonely. So you lie to yourself that you like them. Or, you know, let's say like starting a business is really risky. And so it's like really terrifying. And there's like this giant fear that you'd be end up living in a box and you wouldn't even be able to afford McDonald's French fries or something, you know? So, and so you're like, oh, you know, yeah, no, I just, I'm waiting for an idea, you know, <laughs> but it's really something else deeper. So it's interesting, you know, and then it could, you know, I talked to a, a buddy of mine the other day and I asked him what he wants to be, known, like, what he wants to do? What do you not at what do you want to be known for? I didn't ask that. I said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to be known. He said, I want to be known for being an influencer in the digital marketing space. And like we all have intuition. Some of us are more tapped in than others. And my intuition just screamed, no, that's BS. There's no way that he wants that. But I didn't say that. So I asked him, you know, I said, is that what you want really? Or is that what your like secret inner identity wants that really believes it's unlikable? And it's got this strategy to become likable. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's actually right. I don't, <laughs> he's like, I don't actually want that. I just want to play guitar and make music. And I didn't just thrust that on him. I didn't say, hey, you believe you're unlike." He told me that moments before we were doing some deeper identity level work. So deeper identity level work, man, is fascinating. Fascinating. So it's the deeper identities that we can't, we're not conscious of that will just direct us like puppets on strings. And so if you can target the deeper identity and even get real clear on it and then find, say, what your deep values are, you can sort of supersede identity. And then you'll just sort of naturally want to do this. Like, you know, there's a lot, people are, most of us, myself included, can find ourselves at war with the actions that we want to take. Like, I want to do this, I don't. I want to do this, I don't. I want to do this, I don't. I set this goal, I don't. And that, that war... I think comes from both an identity and a values, not knowing what your values are. So uh, for example, I did yoga this morning and pff, tough, real tough for me because I try to do it with a metronome. So what happens is I do this and this is, this is, this is, this is that. I mean, that's a, that's the first time I heard people doing yoga with a metronome. Yeah. Well, so check this. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I do. It's kind of weird, but so it worked. That's one of the reasons why I love talking to you. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Interesting way yeah. to look at the world. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I'm cur- I'm interested in what, what what would bring results. What what would end the chaos in our mind? And we're talking about the question is from employee to entrepreneur. And so what I'm talking about is I'm taking a little bit of a detour to show you that it's not a detour at all. To go from employee to entrepreneur, first you need to understand the deeper identity that's at play that's keeping you as an employee if you don't want to be. Because if you're saying I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm currently an employee, then you're lying to yourself. If you're lying to yourself, then you need to look at what the deeper identity is that has you lying to yourself to stay in that place. And also you want to understand that like it might even be, you might even be genetically wired to lie. So you don't need to beat yourself up for it. It's just an automatic thing that happens for self-preservation. 
because you're trying to keep yourself alive. And so until you get, so if you're lying to yourself, no shame, no shame, because it's, it's so easy to lie to ourselves. All right. So here's a metronome. That's real loud. So it's three, four time at 40 beats a minute. So I sit there with the yoga posture and I go and out. And I keep this on. Down dog, hold it, down dog, hold it. And I hold down dog for three, three of in and out breaths with this. And what this does is it hypnotizes my brain a little bit and keeps me going in yoga. Otherwise I can, my mind will trail off or my mind still trails off, but I still keep on that, on that breathe, breathe beat. And I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's yeah. quite, quite a hack. Cause I, uh, I don't know if you ever done TM transcendental meditation. It's similar in that way. You used a mantra as a way, a uh, guardrail to kind of guide you along your meditation. In this case, use the metronome as a guardrail to guide your yoga practice. Yes. Yeah. It, it's really nice. And now well, here's what happened. So I did yoga and I'm in down dog and I'm looking at my legs and I'm like, God, my legs are freaking ugly. He's like, Whoa, where'd that thought come from? Oh, and then I could feel right underneath my belly button, a deep, deep tension. And then I felt since I've, since I've done a fair, fair bit of metacognitive identity work, metacognition being able to see a meta layer over your cognitive mind, I, I feel an identity. Oh, are you allowed to cuss on the podcast or to keep that cuss free? Go for it. Well, okay, it's not something too major, but like the identity is, oh, you're a piece of shit. So I'm looking at my legs. I'm like, oh, my legs are ugly. I'm like, whoa, where is that thought coming from? And then I, then I touch this identity, you're a piece of shit. And then on the down dog posture, I walk my feet towards my hands. So I walk, so like I'm on forward fold. And as my feet walk towards my hand, I can feel the identity of piece of shit come alive. Cause I'm in, I'm, I'm, identity lives in the body. Cause the, the body is the unconscious mind and identity lives in the unconscious mind. So I do yoga to wake up to identity. And so that's why it's difficult. So as I'm walking forward, I, I, can, I can hear you're a piece of shit. And so what I do is I hold that as real, but not true. Like I don't try to like, okay, let's try and fix this now. Cause a lot of my mind will try to do that. But I try and watch all that. Instead of trying to fix it, I hold it like a friend as real, but not true. And then eventually, and this happened just this morning, eventually I hear you're not a piece of shit, but I didn't have to force that thought. And so now that says I'm not, I'm not a piece of shit and I'm working with this on a deeper level and that's a deep sense of identity now, because let's say, let's say here's, so here's my book. It's awesome. It's a work, it's a work of art, right? It, it, it really is by the way, guys, that I'm not doing it because he's here, but it's a, it's a beautiful piece of art. He, he, he gave his heart, his mind, everything he's got into the book. So it's, it's palpable when you read it. That's amazing. Thank you, man. So I can hold this. Now, when I'm holding it, since the identity of piece of shit is still a cut in my psyche, I can feel it. Maybe I want to vomit. Maybe I want to weep. Maybe I'm like, maybe I want to just, just put the book in the, put the book on the ground there's no, there's no way I wrote that. There's no way these, 
crappy hands. These didn't write this. Wait. How in the world did I write this? What's going on? So that's identity. That's identity conflict. And if I'm not aware of all that, I'll believe it. But since I know it's identity saying, how did I write this book? And I know it's not me. I have way more freedom. So now when you start doing identity work and you can see the identity that has you lying to yourself, the internal character that has you lying to yourself, keeping you in a job when you want to be an entrepreneur, that is the deepest cut of what you could go after. And once you've gotten clear on what the identity is and then what your natural essence is, and then you've also got clear on your values because you know, you may actually really love being an employee. You're just employed at some place that doesn't bring out your value. Like one, let's say you have a value of freedom and a value of autonomy. Well, there are jobs that you could have that would give you that freedom and autonomy where you could work. So values identity is, is very difficult. It's very difficult. I ran from it for a long time, but once I, so that's what I say. It's, it's really important to face yourself every single day. So quick question for you, my friend, there's the inner work and there's outer work. So inner work is mindset, identity, this type of metacognition, as you call it. Outer work is the actionable tactics, the, main, the strategy, the mindset, the opportunity, the opportunistic pursuit, right? Yeah. So when someone, one of the things I really appreciate about you, and when we have private conversations, is you do your best to keep an open mind and not to force an opinion on someone. You need to yeah. just keep an open mind and, and, and swim in that. And, and why that skill is so relevant to the art and the science of being an entrepreneur, it is to be open to what your prospect and customers are looking for rather than trying to force your idea on them and try to drag them along that way. So in saying that's the context. So in saying all of that, during this time, COVID-19, global pandemic, whether you believe it or not, that's a whole other thing. But during this time, everything's more compressed. So when you speak to an entrepreneur, they already have a business. They're thinking about a pivot. Do you meet them where they're at? to start from, hey, here's the actionable thing you can do on the external, or do you go right into, hey, here's the inner work, I'll start here. Like, how do you guide them? Well, usually they want the tactic. So that's what I give them. Mm -hmm. Then they get triggered. Then we do the identity work. I see. Because we're doing it the way they want. It's best, best to do it that way. You meet them when they're at. It's, you can blend it, but I mean, that's, yeah, that's the answer. Part of it, I guess. Beautiful. So, okay. So you meet them where they're at and then you guide them. Do you think about it more intuitively or is it a specific mental model that you follow when, as you advise them to help them? to pivot their business in the most effective and effortless way. No, it's intuitive. Yeah. I would try to, I try to think of an example, but it's just like, I'm just feeling people. I'm feeling them and feeling them all the time. Like, especially if I'm doing like a one-on-one -on -one with them, 
you know, like, let's say a woman's asking a question and I answer it and she asks another question and I answer it and she asks another question. And before I know it, I'm like, oh, she's habitually addicted to fear. But I don't know for certain. So I check in with her. I said, Is your, are your questions coming from fear or love? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, they're coming from fear. And so then we do a little exercise. I was like, I don't know. Like, What's the most loving part of your body you can feel right now? Like your hand, does your hand feel loving? She's mm-hmm. like, yeah. So take the loving feeling from your hand and let it come through your whole body. Mm-hmm. With love there, do you have the same question? She's like, no, I actually don't have any questions at all. Mm-hmm. And I use love quite quite generously in business. Like I feel a deep love for most every customer that buys from me. Mm-hmm. And I think we need, I think we need to l- literally love the people that are coming into our world to, especially people that transact. I had uh, when I was 26, I had a customer sign up and he signed up to a product and I was so damn excited. And I, I said, well, thank you for your time. And I hung up the phone. I was like, yeah, like I just like celebrated. I got the chance to meet this guy like four years later. And he said, Hey, by the way, I got to tell you something. When I signed up as a customer for you, uh, four years ago, you didn't hang up the phone when you started hollering with excitement. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> Oh crap. And I was like, what did that, I was like, what did that make you think? Uh-huh. And he goes, honestly, I felt honored and excited. He's like, I, I felt really appreciated for being a customer that you would, that you would holler that excitedly about me signing up. And that guy bought not only that product, he bought my second product, then he bought a third product. Then he paid me $50 an hour to do whatever. And that was $50 an hour was a tremendous amount of money for me at 25, 26. I was, and, and he just wanted to spend time with me and he was, he was just, and it was, he felt how excited I was to serve him. And that's a, it's a very important. Cause like, it's like, okay, how do I find an idea? How do I get a product? How do I get someone to give me money for it? All right. So now with this, not, totally obviously consciously selfish awareness but it's completely selfish i'm going to go out in the world i'm going to get 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 i'm going to get my idea i'm going to get my product i'm going to get my money i'm going to get my customers i'm going to get 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 and it's a very very seductive thought process that can just entrance and then in that state people don't really start very good businesses, if any at all, mm. you know, versus I'm going to go, I'm going to listen to someone. I'm going to hear their problem. Then I'm going to ask them what they want for a solution. Then when they tell me what they want for a solution, I'm going to go and find an expert that knows how to create that solution. I'm going to give that expert either a piece of the business or I'm going to pay them for their time to create the solution. Once I have the solution, I would go back and either sell it to them or I would sell the person in advance before I have the solution. Depending on how much risk I want to take, I would do one or the other. 
but it's it's such a profound shift because now it's one's based in service, one's based in what get 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 get. What's my Amazon product? What's my Shopify drop ship product? What's my well? It's just you know I get the same twenty four hours in a day that anyone else does, and it doesn't really take that much time to listen to someone. Like you could spend like four weeks trying to find a great product or you could spend like 10 minutes talking to someone. Hmm. We can go so deep in everything you just said. <clears throat> For yeah. anyone listening, we'll definitely go get Dan's, Dan, Dan's book, Start From Zero, because in that book, he had a really elegant five-question framework as a way to do very effectively and efficiently do customer discovery or customer development. Uh, process you know, really understand what your customers pain and ideal solutions and and then and then whether or not they'll pay for it <clears throat> so quick question there because quick question there so when you I, I really like the way you articulate customer mechanism results and then right away you go into i don't want to be the person i don't want to be the tactician to fulfill the mechanism Correct. That to me is unique in a sense that most entrepreneurs are experts or tacticians or you know, world-class at the fulfillment of the mechanism part. So I come from the world of academics, you know, world-class experts, Nobel laureates, da, 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 right? So they are, this is, we're trained to think that we got to be the expert because we know the space so well. Let me go do this. But you came from the world of entrepreneurs and right away you go to, I don't want to spend the time to fulfill it. Let me hire someone else to create this loop, customer mechanisms and so So I'm curious, as you are thinking about the problem space you want to serve, or, or sorry, the, the, the person you want to serve, the problem space that they have, do you have an additional filter of, do I like working with this particular person do i am i really really good at it personally am i passionate about it do i enjoy these type of they call it uh, purpose driven right do you think about it in that way at all or is it literally just here's an opportunity customer results and then mechanism i don't know i really don't know because i i could say I'm pretty sure I do that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I do that. Like I, I won't solve just any problem. Like if they gave me something, I'm like, I don't want to solve that. So I don't, but you know, if they, if they give me a problem, I'm like, Oh, I definitely, I'm curious about solving. Like I generally pick a, a problem that excites me that I want to learn about. Mm. That's about it. Oh, that's about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like it. You, you kept it simple. Yeah. <laughs> and do you care if it's the, the it's good because there's a who, right? The who. So I'll actually make it personal. So at one point when I was starting in my earlier days, starting businesses to help, let's say plumbers or dentists or, or Rotarians, people in Rotary clubs. And at some point I, I realized that I don't necessarily looking look forward to hang out with my customers per se you know not because they're bad people just you know personally i i like to engage in this type of philosophical conversations 
right? And then my customers at the time were not of this type of conversations. So henceforth, I wasn't so interested. So then, then I came across a test called the airport test. Is they, 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 they ask, hey, if you were stuck at the airport for six hours, would you want to go talk to your customers or not? So I was like, oh, okay. So not. So therefore, let me step away from that. So I'm just curious, do you have, as you're thinking about the, the audience, the prospect, the customer you want to serve, do you even think about that at all? The airport test, let's say? Well, you probably, I probably do half of a good job with that. I think I should probably do that more. Because I could, I could probably in 15 minutes sit down and write out the kinds of people that most excite me to spend time around. But I, I've also been kind of experimenting with surrendering my personality mm-hmm. and stepping into karmic responsibility. Say more about that, please. Karmic responsibility. That's yeah. Big, that's a, those are big words. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. yeah. What, what does that mean for you? Well, I've got this like wicked gift for business. Mm-hmm. Not only to do it and execute it and live it, but also teach it. You do. And a lot of people really struggle with that business. Mm-hmm. And there are, in an hour, I could give a frame of mind that could free someone's suffering of business for the rest of their life. And I can feel sort of quota or capacity of people that I need to serve in that regard until the karmic responsibility has been met or, or lifted or like, you're like, good job. Okay. That's good. Next, next karmic responsibility. You know, if, if, if we, if we are all here, you know, working out our, our karma, like some of us have certain gifts, some of us have certain things we struggle with. I basically am just thinking about like, so I built a personality and the personality was built on a fundamental belief of worthlessness. And so from that fundamental belief, it decided to pursue a perfect looking life. And the perfect looking life looked like a certain kind of woman. It looked like a certain kind of family. It looked like even certain kind of cars. It looked like a certain kind of business that was just easier to run and better than yours. <laughs> oh, the hilarity. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty honest. So now as I surrender personality and learn how and sort of shift over into this karmic current and think about what I'm here to do, that has been guiding me on my customer selection. Got it. Thank you. So if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is it's not so much of a step-by-step mental model. Let me follow, you know, five-step framework questions to figure out it's at this point for you, it's more of a, Hey, let me just actively surrender and then follow my intuition, the body. Mm -hmm. I want to serve this person. I'll do it. If I don't, I don't. It's just more of an intuitive insight rather than more of a mental cerebral process. I, I think, think so. I think so. Because I mean, there, 
I'm very aware at how I'm not very aware, actually. I'm just becoming aware of how, how much I sabotage good feelings. So part of this thing that I'm calling karmic responsibility could in fact be me just avoiding good feelings and serving people that would pr provide that. But, you know, that's kind of the divide. I'm that's kind of the divide I'm caught in, but I can tell you like, so I've got, there's three or four projects I've got going on right now. And so start from zero is so that all people, regardless of their circumstance, could taste financial freedom. I want to have financial freedom for all. Financial freedom for all. And so start from zero is that. And that is, uh, shoo, that triggers my worthlessness because, you know, who am I, so to speak, to make that kind of a claim? You know, it's like, and I just let that be a thought. You know, I don't need to like psychoanalyze or say, oh, new question. Yeah, I do. And it's okay that I do because I notice it. So I don't believe it. So I still have freedom while thoughts are going on. It's really nice. It's really it's like heaven on earth comparatively to like thought come oh fight thought bury thought 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 go away thought don't thought burn thought turn lights off on thought versus like oh I'm just trying that, that those are all the things I do because I'm believing that thought instead of noticing it. So I'll, I'll so I've got I've got this and this is for like every person every person in the world that wants financial freedom. Now realistically, as as it was written in my heart for every person. I know there are certain folks that literally just fly with it. So I target those people. You said what? What now? What did you say just now? Certain person, what? That will fly when they read the book. Oh, I see, see, see. Right? But I, I so I target, I target them. But, you know, I want this in libraries. I want it in 17-year-old kids' hands where their mother's on welfare. You know, like this is the book for the 17-year-old kid, Mom's on Welfare. And they never thought they had any value and they never thought they could ever be worthy of helping another human being. Mm. And they read this and they see that not only are they worthy of helping another human being, but that there's a predictable path they could follow, even if they're at completely at zero. So that's that person. And that's like, uh, wow, a spiritual service almost feels like a spiritual duty. Like business is a spiritual duty in that regard. I also really like getting rich. So I really like getting rich. So I really software I that. Is a, like rolls off your tongue without just like, that's what well, I, I love that. That's it, awesome. it, thank you. I mean, there are, I have moments with it. Like I can say it. It's easier to say after I just said, I've got spiritual duties or whatever. So now that I said that it can be easier to say, you know, just like, Hey, I like getting really rich and you know, I fucked the little guy. No, <laughs> so I really, but I also really, really like software as a service, as a business vehicle is one of the great loves of my life. And so I've got two projects going on right now. Well, more than that, two ones that I'm building. There's other that are already built, right? But I've got two that I'm building and the customers for one of those is just like, I'm like, oh my God, yes, yes. I love that customer. That'll be so much fun. And then Another one, I'm like, oh, those customers are playing at a high level. Am I going to be able to keep up with those ones? 
Oh yes, yes, okay, yes, yes, yes. So I mean, I had a I had a, a guy who's very very visible in this in the business space. He's very well known, and you know, we did a podcast interview, and then he at the end of it, he loved what I had to say so much. He asked if I'd partner on a software project with him, and I was like, what? <laughs> initial shock. And I just rested into my heart and my heart said, yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. And so I said, yes, but I was like, my heart's saying yes. I don't know why, but now as we've been continuing to move forward and we're, I'm already being introduced to people that are wonderful to know because I said yes to that. Cause I, you know, sort of settled into the heart space for it. And so those customers are a little like, I'm like intimidated by there's another set of customers where I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is so exciting. Cause I really, really know I can help them. And then there's other customers that really, really hit me hard. Like they're just, they're just difficult. Sometimes they're just difficult for me to deal with. And I am in all three of those at once. One of the reasons I love speaking to you, my friend, is your, it's not just a good idea. It's not just philosophical things, but rather you do your best, your best, you put your best effort forth to actually embody it, to live it. And one of the things I really admire you is just how public, how open you are. Part of your brand to me is your authenticity, your ability to just be vulnerable and share like, hey, I just had a stuff on hand. And then, you know, I wanted to cry and then, and, or, you know, my thought was I'm worthless or I'm ugly or things like that. That's like very, very private for most people to share in a very, very public format. So I'm curious to know, was it always like this? Was it work in progress? Was it an effort that you are putting forth to be more prominent as an authentic human being? It's not just this persona, this identity. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm successful, blah, blah, blah. And, or, you know, I hope people can really feel when they hear you speak, this comes from a very, very authentic place that you're a holistic human being. So a lot of context question, has, be, has this been an intentional effort put forth to be more and more authentic as you step into well, more prominence? Well, I think that, so like I've got the identity that I'm a piece of shit in there. And I think a lot of people do in different variations. I think a lot of people think there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the way I think. I can feel that one. There are just ugly, terrible, awful things about me. So how big of a business can I build? How nice of a car can I drive? How beautiful of a woman could I date? How much money could I accumulate in the bank to compensate for a bullshit identity? It's not even true, but so real that we believe it. All that to say, as I explore that nothing is wrong with me, and as I deepen into that insight that nothing is wrong with me, and as I deepen into the insight that the worst thing that I could think about, the worst thing that I think I am is still only a thought, it becomes a little easier to be honest. Well, it becomes a lot easier to be honest, but it's a... It's definitely a, a journey because I have so many aspects of myself that just really want to look perfect and sound perfect. And, and I don't even know they're there, you know, like I, I, I read, uh, I'm reading a, a book called the road less stupid. Mm -hmm. Keith Cunningham. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading the thinking time section. And in that section, he's like, all my problems started out as good ideas. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh God. Yes. And he's like, and I've lost a lot of money. I call it dumb tax T A X. It's a dumb tax because I've lost tens of millions of dollars on dumb tax because I didn't just check my assumptions or I didn't like he said, if I just checked my assumptions on projects, I probably wouldn't have lost as much money, but I'm an idiot. So I did. And he's just sitting there like talking about his failures in business. And I was like, wow, he's really screwed up a lot. You know, and I read that this morning. Mm -hmm. I think that's had a profound impact on like how I'm sharing the day, just getting to see that he's cause you know, the deeper belief is like, Oh, you're a piece of shit, man. Something's wrong with you better not be honest you'll be punished if you're honest you know you'll, you'll be attacked if you're honest so it's a progress it's a, it's a it's a journey of realizing everything's okay with who i am and then when that becomes the case it just becomes comfortable to share everything but you know when this guy asked me to partner on the SaaS project mm -hmm. you know he he sits there and looks at me at the end like after we're like we're doing we're we're We've got our first customer lined up. You know, we've got the product idea validated. We're going to begin building the user interface for it, which is a dream process. Then once the UI is completely thought through, then we'll have the developer crack down on the code. And so customer mechanism result is the framework I use to build software. We find a customer, we find the result they want. We outsource the mechanism. In this case, that's software. So we hire software developers, but you could outsource a customer as someone who owns a parrot. You could have the result be they don't want their parrot to poop everywhere. So you outsource the mechanism of a parrot teacher and you have them record some videos and now you're in business. Customer mechanism result. In this case, the software is the mechanism. So we're hiring UI. And I even put together a, a one page software as a service plan so I don't fail. So I need to make sure I'm doing all the things right. So I got a little one pager for how to build a software as a service safely, profitably, et cetera. And it was super fun to build. And question my value like crazy on the project. So what do you mean um, question value as a contribution to the project? Is that what you mean? Yeah, as a contribution to the project, but only as it relates to, well, yes, as contribution to the project, but it's, it's deeper. It's way deeper than that. It's, it's just unworthy of being here next to this guy who wants to partner with me. And so you know, I've been too scared to tell him that, you know, and I think I'm going to, because I, I noticed as I've been moving forward, he's been able to show some of his humanity to me as well. And I'm like, oh, he's not this perfect person I thought. And, and there's nothing like major or anything. And, and I, it's only what I've interpreted to my experience may not even be right. But I was like, I think we need more vulnerability amongst one of us, amongst us, amongst each other. So I'm going to lead with that probably and write a a message. The thought or is it declaration? What? What's, what's that? Uh, I'm going we, to... Oh, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like write something vulnerable. Okay, so it's a thought. And then now a declaration to me, but you haven't declared to him yet per se. Yeah, correct. No, this is just because I just, just came across this this morning. So I'm going to write an email like to say, you know, like, oh, I question my worth in the project. And, you know, I question myself in this. And, and luckily, I can see both these as thoughts, but they get pretty debilitating at times. And so I've hired help to help me work with these because I do completely believe in myself on a deeper level to carry this across the finish line. There's just parts of me that haven't grown up into believing who I am yet. And thank you for the opportunity to grow into that, et cetera, et cetera. Like, so like that probably what I articulate, 
but you know, he, he asked me to work on this project and my life starts falling apart for the next three days. You know, like mm -hmm. my brain starts attacking me. Like all of a sudden, I don't know if I like my girlfriend or not. She's amazing. You know, I don't know if I like this life. I don't know if I like my house. I don't know if I like all stuff starts falling apart. Self-sabotage, but it's all unconscious and I don't even know it. What happens is I'm going through this massive up-leveling to, to hold the energy for this project. And I don't know if the project would be this big, but he just looks at me and he's just as calm as can be. He's like, by the way, man, I think this project is a minimum nine figure, right? Nine figure deal. I was like, is that a hundred million? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> you know? like, okay. All right. And there's a part of my business mind that could just rev up and handle all the details without any fear. I've got, I've actually got that part of myself. That's like, all right, 100 million, no problem. Let's do this. Let's get this, 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 this done. But what I want to do is I want to allow all of my being to be brought with it. So, you know, he says that to me and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do my best, you know? And then I get off the phone and I'm like kind of in shock the rest of the day, you know, and get help with coaches who can help me step into holding a deeper frame because the level that I need to play at is so high for this to work that it's calling out my greatest potential that I'm actually really calm. Like, I, like I'm, I'm less needy. Like I'm not looking at other people's businesses. I'm not looking at what other people are doing. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm not doing any of that crap because I'm so far into my potential that I feel so content that I don't need to look at anyone else. Mm. But you know, it was very difficult to like, and still can be, but this is like the ongoing journey of evolution of identity and how it lives in the body and how it needs space to move. And so like, if you're just at the beginning phases, for example, where like, you're like, okay, employee to entrepreneur. Well, the shift from employee to entrepreneur is one of the most terrifying shifts you could ever go through. And that terror, if not seen and held with love will wreak havoc on you. You know, you'll think that, oh, you know what? I need my health insurance benefits. I need my 401k. Without those things, I'm going to be nothing. And then if you actually look at the numbers behind your health insurance, you're probably going to have a similar plan for $100 to $150 a month on your own. And then for the 401k, you'll be, a, if, you, if, you, if, you moved all, if you moved all in on entrepreneurship and you got the right training, like if you just read start from zero until you knew every page by heart, I say within three years of, of make like three years of making the decision, you don't even have to start anything, but in three years time, your 401k will look like, like manure on the side of the road compared to what, <laughs> compared to what you can do. <laughs> manure on the side of the road. Yeah. I, love that. That's very vivid. I get it. I, I get it. You're like, like, oh, my 401k is my golden tickets. Like, nah, it's going to look like manure. I got you. When you can like, like Neil, Neil Patel is a big, big guy online. Mm -hmm. He showed a screenshot once where he made, he, he sold a $36,000 courses in a day. Mm -hmm. And it was a random Saturday. He made 36 grand in one single day on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's probably, well, that's a lot. That's one day. So mm -hmm. imagine what he's doing in a month. Your 401k will look like manure. Mm -hmm. but so like but but the you to do what neil does 
you need a mind that fires correctly. Mm-hmm. And to have a mind that fires correctly, you got to be fierce and in in disciplined because the mind left to its own devices is faulty. Mm-hmm. If you if we let our minds to our own devices, we're screwed. We're screwed. So you you know if you're an employee and you don't want to be, the question isn't isn't how do I get out? First question is how did I get here in the first place? Because mm. if you find the answer to that, that'll undo why you're there. It's like you could ask, like, so what are the steps to outsourcing? Mm-hmm. Well, we already know that the, we already know the world is made up of energy, frequency, and vibration, and energy. And we know that people that are more fearful, prone to violence and anger, or let's not even say fearful, people more prone to violence and anger might be more prone to listen to heavy metal music, right? Not all, not everybody, but you like, you get a lot of those people in there. And then like, if let's say a happy, happy computer nerd like walks by and they like listening to like Backstreet Boys, like the, the heavy metal guys, because their, their mind is oriented towards violence and anger will be violent and anger towards this energy because it's so foreign to them. It attacks what it doesn't know. But what's actually going on is it's just, it's just uh, energetic frequency discrepancy. Like these energies are so polar opposite that they could even form a violent attack on one another. But those, those uh, slipknot listening, I love slipknot every once in a while, but like for like the consider, like, you know, these, these violent, angry listeners, they aren't, they aren't even seeing that nerdy guy. They're only seeing their mind. They're seeing their mind's projection of that guy. This is all a little bit esoteric, but it's basically to say that everything is energy and the intellect doesn't want to, doesn't want to get this. And the intellect even fights it. it says, no, no, that's too weird. It's too esoteric. But if you hold your hands a couple inches apart, you'll start to feel heat between your hands. That's energy. That's very real. That energy is all around you all the time. And so your energetic vibrational frequency is one of not trusting yourself, not listening to your own inner voice. So inside your energetic, inside your energetic being is conflict. So because you have conflict at the basis of who you are, you now go into situations where you have conflict and you try to get out, but you haven't undone the very reason you got there. So if you want full holistic shift, like let's look at the outsourcing situation. What are the steps to outsource? How do you make your first outsource hire? What are the steps? What are the job sites you go to? What do you say in your job description? How much do you pay? How many hours do they work? What tasks do they do? What are all those things? Well, good news is those tasks are answered a hundred times in a hundred different places. You can find them online. What you won't find and what will provide the greatest benefit is for you to resolve deep in your being one, that you're worthy of a great life. And it's not just a thought, it's a lived experience. You're worthy of a great life. And in that great life that you're worthy of, you're only going to do things that you enjoy. And if you know you're worthy of a great life and you know you're only going to do things that you enjoy, it will automatically make sense for you to outsource. And you'll probably outsource in some innovative way that's outside of the step-by-step system. Because you're going to be like, you know what? I really just enjoy. I know I'm worthy of a great life. I don't have to justify this to anyone. I don't have to say it out loud to anyone. I'm just living it in here. And I know I want to just 
do the things that I enjoy. So what are these things I don't enjoy? So you just sit down and you write them out. You know, I don't really enjoy writing or responding to emails. I don't really like looking at Facebook newsfeed. Okay, but I, I want to know what's going on in Facebook. Okay, so you hire someone from the Philippines for $300 a month. And you teach them all you, what you need to teach them so they can reply, respond to 80% of your emails for you. So you now got your emails down cut in half. Then you also have them, have them scroll through your Facebook newsfeed. And you have them share only important news and positive things with you once a day in email. Right? I like that, that idea. That's an interesting one. But yeah, that kind of implementation is your own unique snowflake, your own unique version, your own unique fingerprints version of meditation once you got clear at a real deep, deep level. Because, you know, I can give some of the most mind-blowing tactics in the world, you know, speed up a webinar to 115% playback. No one will really notice. You'll speak faster. You'll hold attention longer. You'll get to the offer faster. You'll increase your conversion rate. You'll sell more products on webinars if you increase the speed to 115%. But like these things are, but just, you know, icing on the cake when you need to get the ingredients right first. So um, sum, it, sum it all up. What are you thinking about yourself that has you in a situation you're unhappy with about who you are? Be very gentle with the answer that you find. Be kind to the answer you find. Cry about it. Scream into a pillow about it. Healthily punch a pillow with anger. Healthy anger is so beautiful. And, 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 and allow yourself to come back into alignment with, you know what, I just want to do this because it's important to me. Because uh, success doesn't mean anything about who we are. Success isn't personal. So, you know, we, we try to pursue success for worth. I do. But that's not what success is. Success, the only reason to be successful is because being successful, to me, being successful feels good. It feels really good to not look at gas prices. You know, it feels really good to buy a meal for your friends. You know, a $1,000 dinner for your friends or something. You know, you slip the credit card out and all of a sudden it's paid and everyone's like, wait, what the hell? You know, the, the, it feels good to be successful. That's why you do it. You don't do it. It's not, it, you know, our, our unconscious identity of worthless. Like if you have the identity, I'm a piece of shit. When you become successful, this identity is going to make it about you. But it's not. And when we think it is, we just continue to perpetuate these identities. When we just want to wake up to the deeper awareness of our relaxed sense of self that just enjoys life that just has clarity naturally that just sets a goal and says you know this, this is important to me i don't need to tell it to anybody else okay these are the problems i'm going to encounter i struggle with motivation i struggle with discipline who can i hire to help me with motivation who can i talk to to help me with discipline okay those problems are addressed Okay. Oh, I have a fear. I'm a fear. I'm afraid of talking to customers. That's really, I just want to talk to, I just want to use the internet. I don't want to talk to anybody. Okay. How could I address that? Okay. Maybe I could restart from zero, learn how to talk to customers. Maybe I could talk to someone about my fear. It becomes a very success becomes a very mechanical process. Get the energetics right first. You feel that, so if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiology, security, love and connection, 
self-esteem, self-actualization, self-transcendence. I feel that you have achieved, you have went through that journey. So now you're focusing a lot on, hey, success isn't success until you feel good on a daily, energetic and everything that you have talked about. Do you feel like someone who hasn't had this success, who hasn't climbed their first mountain, who hasn't you know, achieved business success or recognition or be on the internet and be admired by thousands and thousands, right? That they could effectively skip the line, so to speak, and jump to, hey, start with the end in mind first. And here's the most effective way to do it, you know, from the energetic, from the value, from the alignment, identity work and all that. So again, to ask the question more. Yes. Simply. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I, do. Okay. I would say if I could, have, if I could have had this book in my hands at 21, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble because my, I capped, if your business is ultimately about survival, then once your survival needs are met, your motivation will drop off. But if your business is ultimately about service to humanity, because you've got your identity stuff figured out, you can be big real fast. You can go bigger, farther, faster this way. You won't be motivated by unconscious compulsions to prove yourself. You'll be motivated by a pure intention to serve and help others. And you'll go way bigger than if you ever tried to prove yourself in the first place. You know, you get your basic survival needs, food, shelter, sex, companionship, all those basic needs met. Sure. But I would say, no, find out who you are as quickly as possible and then live there and don't waste any time. Cause being in my, like I've been sure I've been admired and stuff by people, but it's so fleeting when it's gone. I'm still left with what I think about myself. It, it's, it's, it's very fleeting. Still me at the end of the day in my own mind. Deep wisdom, my friend. I mean, I can jam with you for hours. Uh, again, I want to be super respectful of your time. So other than, start from zero so out of everything we talked about we talked about the tactical we talked about mental model we talked about the atomic units of starting your business right customer mechanism results we talked about five questions that they could ask we talked about energetics there's a, a huge wide spectrum that we had addressed what's one thing that they could do to actualize and and you know take action into bringing this type of mindset into their life Go visit makefriendswiththemind.com. Makefriendswiththemind.com. And why do you say that? Because <laughs> as soon as you can make friends with your mind exactly as it is, you'll open up to what's really important to you, and you can do that. Mm. Make, go to makefriendswiththemind.com. Beautiful. Hey, Dan, so I appreciate you for being who you are, for sh just showing up fully as a, as a, as a human being. <laughs> rather than a persona identity and share so generously. So for those of you that don't know, one, another thing that I really admire Dane about is he's so generous with his time right now, as it is right now, I don't know how long he will continue to do this. He's coaching people in a very public way. And he, he shared those coaching sessions on his podcast. And well, one, I think in terms of just marketing is brilliant, right? You, you, became one of the best best in your category right it like super fast i think that's very awesome the second thing is coming from of service you just people can really feel who you are your heart as you coach so generously on those uh, episodes so just really appreciate being here and share with my audience and how to actually go from zero to business to abundance to purpose-driven entrepreneur 
Thanks, dude. Yeah. Hope this was helpful for people. <laughs>